Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, Chris. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Chris. Yeah. You're back. I'm back. So if I'm remembering my dates correctly, you have not been on since February when we kind of, when we redid our introduction post. So. Right. Our invitation. Yes. Our invitation. I've missed you. I missed you. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, where have you been? I've been speaking a lot with my wife. So just different places and anytime that we've had that opportunity. Done some church stuff, right? And some school with the youth. I know you're telling me you'd love those. Yeah. The youth fireside that we've been able to do has just been phenomenal. It's it's been super amazing for us to be able to do that. If you haven't heard um, Chris Chris and Autumn speak, we need to do a good job on our social media of putting it out when you are speaking, um, or if you're looking for them to come speak. Um, if you don't know Chris's story, it's incredible. Um, to ten eleven it's on the years website, of sobriety, it's on the, it's on the pod- So you can go to our bio page. Chris's email: Chris unashamed unafraid, um, and that's you can. Um, you know, if you want him and Adam to come speak to your church group, school, therapy group, whatever, they're happy to kind of come and do that. So We've even got an invitation to do it in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And we're doing a fireside there. It's pretty cool. Always got to be a one-upper, Chris. <laughs> well, I'm going to do – never mind. I don't even have a good comeback for that. Um, so uh, another thing we need to announce right up front is uh, our giveaway for the Heart of a Woman retreat. Yes, we're doing a second giveaway. Um, well, well, no, uh, this is the first one that we're doing. So, okay. So we're just gonna, we're gonna announce the winner right now. So awesome. If, if we drum roll, um, sorry, this is tender for me. And so, uh, we had three entries, right? We're getting started. Our social media is new. We had okay. three entries. Um, we all amazing stories, incredible stories. These three Hard. women incredible hearts, incredible battles that they've been through. Um, and with only three entries, we couldn't decide. So between Unashamed, Unafraid, as, as you know, we're sponsoring one. Um, we've gotten donation from uh, several private individuals. We've also gotten donation from uh, Leading Saints, who you should follow, amazing podcast um, about LDS church leadership. Um, our announcement is that we're going to sponsor all three. All three. Which so, is awesome. Uh, we started with just one, and then other people hear about sp- it, and they're like, We're sponsoring all three women. Um, at the time that we are recording this, well, let me rephrase. At the time that you will hear this, we have uh, there's uh, less than five spots remaining at the retreat, at the women's retreat this year. So um, so to our three entries, congratulations. Um we will not see all three of you there because we're men, so we won't be at the James women's. James will see you there, but, but we James won't. will see you there. So, um, congratulations! We want you to know we love you, um, we care about you and your recovery and what you've been. I hope through. you find a new connection with God that you've never found before. Amen to that. Um, and I, I feel like this is like crazy story time. You're out sharing your crazy story, and so uh, we just had Sway and Rachel here with us. And awesome people. So I, I often refer to people as like porn jockeys. 
like who who <laughs> it's just like okay i get it you struggle with porn like you're a porn jockey i'm not minimalizing anyone's addiction but sway kind of hangs out with me and you in crazy town right. right church discipline um you know extramarital affair all sorts of kind of crazy stuff so it's a big story right yeah i mean that we're about to hear but it's amazing to hear how sway got caught how so much happened but like how god has really changed him um it's incredible and he changed him through his kids, and that was the tenderness piece that I loved. Being here to watch him, to see the look on his face as he talks about how his kids helped change them. And Rachel, I mean, their their tenderness together, and we're so grateful that that Rachel was be able was able to be here, and and her understanding of him, but also her dedication to saying these are my boundaries. And I don't care what anybody else says. These are my boundaries. Uh, empowerment. Right? Yes. Go, Rachel. And all women, you should listen to this just because of how powerful she was. Um, and so uh, amazing. Their story's amazing. Um, it's a little bit long, but what do you do? It's amazing. What are we supposed to do about yeah, that? Yeah, we don't want to cut out So um, sorry this is a little bit long. I promise you it's worth listening to the whole thing. Um, our quick plug, if you have any questions about recovery, you can submit them on the website anonymously, um, and we will answer them in a post with experts, other addicts, people like that. Um, if you have any questions for Sway or Rachel as you hear their story, you can address them. They're happy to answer your questions um, about them. Um, follow us on social media. Instagram, Facebook. Um, and it's follow- all at Unashamed Unafraid. At Unashamed Unafraid. Um, and so with that, we'll get in the studio with Rachel and Sway. Sway, Rachel, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, this is just awesome having you guys here. So, um, Chris, are you We're ready excited. To we're excited to have the, have them to join us. Um, so, uh, how long have you guys been married? Nine years. Nine years. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's uh, that's awesome. That's congrats, right? And uh, I remember early on when people are getting married, you're like, "Oh, cool, you've been married for five years or ten years, whatever." Now, like having been in marriage, I'm like, "Congrats." Nine years is awesome. But your guys' story starts long before that, right? Um, so, Sway, why don't you start? Tell us tell us about your childhood, you know, views around God, um, when you first came across pornography, sexual stuff. Okay, yeah. So <clears throat> I grew up in uh, Sandy, Utah. Um, I grew up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so I was around that religious view all my life. Um, I first came across pornography when I was introduced to it by um, uh, my best friend. Um, I was I was between the ages of six and eight. Um, I don't remember exactly when, but <clears throat> that's when I was introduced to it. Um, and shortly thereafter, or at that same time, I was uh, taught how to masturbate. And um, so from a very young age, um, you know, sexual addiction or pornography, um, lust has been a huge part of my life. Um, so I grew up, I grew up there, um, had great parents who, um, you know, my father was a really hard worker. Um, he, uh, 
he had his own struggles and um my <clears throat> my mom is awesome uh so i don't know i uh, had have great siblings and anyway so i grew up there and um as i tell me like you know um i mean so you, you grew up lds right right to use those terms tell me you were like this all makes sense to me on board check was it was it you know was your family real rigid was it real you know easygoing um my my wife's family Kayla's family much more rigid structured they did my family was like all over the place like what's going on and so how you know religious right there's a checkbox when you're in any religion here's the things that you believe checklist right but we know every individual is different right and how they approach it and so what was kind of the themes you had around god from those growing up years so it wasn't i wouldn't say it was entirely rigid um but we were we went to church every week um you know, it was expected that, uh, I don't even know if it was a full expectation, but it definitely, uh, it was an expectation that I would be going on a mission. Um, and, but we didn't have, I think it was very kind of checkboxy, right? Like making sure we're going to church. Um, and it wasn't about, I shouldn't say it wasn't about this, but it wasn't a major push was to like find my own testimony. Um, there wasn't, um, I mean, we did family home evening and those types of things, but, um, yeah. And your personal relationship with God, you had a lot of spiritual experiences. Um, you feel like you connected a lot. Um, you know, for me, it was dual, right? I feel like I had this sexual acting out going on. But like, I totally had some testimony building experiences as a kid and connected. So what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had experiences. Like, so just to kind of go back and follow the timeline of my story is that at the age of eight, I remember going getting ready getting for my baptized, baptized yep. getting, getting ready for my baptism. Yep. And, um, and I remember thinking, I can't wait to be baptized because then I'll be clean from, you know, the things that I've already done. Yeah. The shame's already programmed. It's already there. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So. At such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that I do remember having a lot of good spiritual experiences. I had great leaders growing up. Um, had a lot of, uh, you know, I always saw my dad reading his scriptures and um, had my, you know, some great uh, yeah. young men's leaders and things like that. So fall that high school, you're, yeah. you know, you're acting out all over the place. You're not. You're so anyone talking to you about it, right? You yeah, busted. no, it, no. Well, no. have before you do go into that, have you gone in? Have you actually talked to anybody yet about no. it, like parents or nope, no, ask leaders or anything like that? Mm-mm. So my, I, I don't think I talked to really the first time I ever spoke to a bishop about anything, um, was probably in college. Um, yeah. So it was, it was so much later. So through your youth, you were riding solo. You oh were yeah. doing this thing alone. hundred percent, man. I yeah. was like. Nobody you, could you know this. Yeah, nobody no, could know. You. Nobody can know about this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then, uh, 
in like middle school. It was around middle school that we finally got uh, dial-up internet, and uh, I got to watch the images come in line by line. And so, you know, that was just my Boom, door open. Yeah, door open, and you know, I would go times without acting out, without there being yeah. any, um, you know, major things there, but. Um, it was always there at the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, so, so just pornography before your mission? Or? Pornography and masturbation. Okay. No girls. Yeah. No girls in the picture. Um, I had girlfriends. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and things got a little physical, um, but not to the point of uh, premarital sex or anything like that. Were the girlfriends like the addiction? Where you're like, whoa, this is really validating. That's how it was for me. Yes. I was like, oh wow. Yeah. If she, whoever the she is in the moment, thinks that I'm worth it, I feel good. It, right. To me, it was the same drug, right? Right. Yeah, 100%. And that's, uh, you know, if if I'm telling my whole full long story, that's a huge piece of, of who I was and uh, is seeking validation through women, right? Yeah. Like I, that's where my validation came from. Right. Um, because I didn't know where to get validation elsewhere. So, so then you end up going on a mission. Yep. Where'd you go? Uh, Minnesota. Very cool. Yep. Very, I'm stateside to DIE. <laughs> I'm with you, Baltimore, Maryland. So, um, mission. How did it go on the mission? You're- uh, you know, I did pretty good for the most part. Or then I was still able to access some pornography and uh-huh. still masturbated from time to time. But I did, you know, before my mission, I got clean. I got, you know, felt like I was ready to go. And then, uh, you know, going into the mission and things got stressful. And so I used my drug to, to medicate. Yeah, and, uh, totally. so, so when know. I, when I came home, I was like, I actually had my, my last mission plan. We talked about it on our mission about how we kind of had struggled with some of the stuff. So I came home being like spiritual. I totally justified my way around masturbation. So I just want to asterisk that I was not in as good of a place as I thought I was. But um, I, when I came home, it was like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm back. I'm back yep. for my mission. You know, high fives, give an excellent sacrament meeting talk. So I'm, I'm, I mean, for me, it was all perfection and earning it crap, right? But so when you came home, kind of same idea or, or you knew yeah. you would struggle? I got, or? I got home and um, I thought the same thing. And I was clean for about six months, and then pornography started um, up again. Uh, masturbation started up again, and that's when um, I think that's when the addiction finally got the like strongest hold on me. I think it already had a hold on me through all of my, uh, you know, Huge. emotionally. Yeah. Like I did not know how to. I could say easily that my emotional, like. Uh, growth was completely stunted probably by the time I was 10 or 12. Yeah. I mean, after that. Like, so did you even understand that you were using it as a coping mechanism no, by the time? I had no idea. No idea. I had no idea. Like, I, I mean, I remember telling myself over and over again, I can stop anytime. Like, this yeah. is easy. <laughs> quit every night before I go to bed. Yeah, I can just quit. Yeah, so you're right? there. Okay, so we're going to rewind. Rachel, yeah. tell, tell us your story. So How'd you grow up? Two awesome parents 
Um, they were both police officers. My mom was actually the first female police officer on a sheriff's county wow. department. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then she w- went on to be in like the DEA and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, they both retired. She had to retire because she started tar- dating my dad. And he was her training officer. Um, so they I'm not both- going to lie. I'm seeing meet the parents a little <laughs> bit. Just because I know the rest of your guys' story, right? I got I, I know you got to yeah. read about it. So just a little bit, you know. You lied to me, Fokker? Yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, they retired before I came along. I'm the fourth of five kids. Um, we moved around a ton. My dad worked for a trucking company and would travel to make them profitable again. So we traveled every two or three years. Um, I was actually in nine schools from K through 12. Wow. Um, wow. Just tons of moving. So because of that, our family was really close. Um, my dad was Catholic when my mom and dad got married. She was not active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Um, she activated shortly after my oldest sister was born. And then my dad converted to be a Baptist. So my dad was Baptist all my life. My mom was LDS. Um, so growing up, as far as God and religion goes, like our parents, like we went to church with my mom until we were a little bit older. Um, but it was just about finding a relationship with God for both of them. Like, that's what they instilled in us. Like, you can do whatever you want. You can find anything you want. But that relationship with God is really important. So that's pretty That's pretty open. I mean, as far as the family system goes. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it was so you, awesome. You had, so as a kid, you had experiences where you feel like you were able to kind of follow that or you oh, felt yeah, lost sure. or... Yeah, like we, so I actually chose to get baptized at eight, and most, all of the rest of my siblings did. Two of them are now not members of the church anymore, but they still have a deep faith in God and, you know, cool. do yeah. do their own thing with that. So, yeah. Um, um, uh, so you kind of transition, you know, high school age to kind of young adulthood. How, how does that all kind of happen? So when I was, let's see, my brother was 12, so I was eight. Um, we found out that he had cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer when he was 12. Um, that's Whoa. when we lived in Pennsylvania, yeah. So he had to go through tons of stuff. Like to, He went through three bone marrow transplants and oh, wow. everything oh, yeah. like that. It was, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> um, but again, it just brought us closer together um, as a family as we supported him through that and visited him in the hospital and stuff. Um, and shortly after, like about three years after he was diagnosed, he was in remission for a while and he was in a remission long enough to serve an LDS mission. And shortly before he left, we moved out to California. Um, so he was serving his mission. Me, like my sister was living in Pennsylvania and then my old, my second oldest sister, me and my little brother, we moved out to California. Um, and my sister hated it. So she moved back to Utah with yeah. one of my aunts. <laughs> she was like, I'm not doing this. I'm leaving. So she finished up high not school. Not a Disneyland there. fan. I'll take it. I no. guess. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't live by Disneyland. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we lived in a little town where their claim to fame was a corn festival every year. So super hopping, lots of stuff to do. Um, or popping <laughs> corn, popcorn. <laughs> no, too far, <laughs> too dry, too early. All right. My bad. <laughs> So she took off, and my that sister actually had a testimony. Like, her and my older brother were just born with testimonies, yeah. like, ride or die. Like, nothing could sway them, you know? Um, so she left, and, you know, like, you move to a new town at 13, 14 years old, and it was going to sound cruel, but, like, the freaks are the one that are attracted to you, right? Like, 
they want to like gather everybody in, not the people who already are established and stuff. Yeah, everyone like that, has their so. cliques and their group of yeah. friends. They don't need you. They don't yeah. need you. So, and you're looking for belonging, right? Totally. I mean, who, who isn't it? Yeah. Thirteen, fourteen. Looking yeah. for friends. Looking for stuff to do. Sure. So I got involved with a bunch of people who were like, you know, drinking, drugs, just not going to school, stuff like that. So I did that for a couple of years, which was awesome. So cool. Um, so <laughs> sensing <laughs> the sarcasm. Yeah, just a little bit. Totally graduated high school. It's fine. Um, so did that for a while until my sister came home my se- my junior year. Um, she moved back because she had graduated and everything. So I started to turn it around and ditch those people and tried to, yeah. you know, figure out what I was going to do for college and stuff like that. Um, so when she moved back, she helped me get back on track. And then eventually we moved back to Utah um, because my brother, um, went, he relapsed while he was on his mission, like the very end of his mission. So Different kind of relapse. Yeah, meaning, <laughs> relapsed meaning with cancer. Remission. Yeah, yeah his cancer, cancer came, came out of remission. And, yeah. yeah. So we moved yeah. back to Utah so he could go to the Huntsman Center. Yeah. Um, so that was – and then after a bone marrow transplant there, he had decided he wasn't going to go through treatment anymore. He was just done. So um, I did end up – like I hung out with him and stuff until he passed away um, at 23. And you, and you were how old when he passed away? Um, I would have been 19 when wow. he passed away. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, so that's right at that transition time for you, kind of yeah. into adulthood. And and then six weeks after that, we found out my dad had terminal cancer. Whoa. And he had oh, been so Jeez. focused on taking care of my brother that whole time, like working and taking care of my brother and the family that he didn't get his symptoms checked. And he went, like my mom said, she took him to the doctor and he came out because I was living in Virginia at the time nannying. And he came out and he's like, I've got cancer. And she's like, that's not funny. Like, don't mess with me. He's like, no, no, I got cancer. Oh man. And so he passed away 13 months after that. Whoa. So, and he didn't do any therapy, anything. He just, after seeing my brother do it, he just wasn't willing to do it. So. So a lot of loss. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause your family, that was your friends. That was your tight knit group. That was your community with all the moving and two members at such a critical time. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. So then how, tell me how Sway enters the picture. So that's kind of where you're at transitioning. Mm-hmm. How how long was it till you met Sway? What did what did dating and kind of getting married look like for you guys? Um, it was like... <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> yeah, dating Don't was interesting. Don't take that the wrong way, Sway. <laughs> no, it was he interesting. Knows. So it was like three or four years later. Um, my friends had convinced me to go on LDS Singles, mm-hmm. which is a real treat. Just oh, yeah. so fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey, online dating's changed now, okay? Yeah, There's sure. A- <laughs> so we ended up going out, like, the first time because, like, my parents being cops and stuff, I'm a super paranoid person. Like, I just don't have time to deal with crap. Well, so, we have to ask, concealed carry? No. Okay, all right. Yeah. Just with <laughs> no. the cop family, I just had yeah. to ask. No, just, um, so we went out because, like, we had started talking, and I was like, I'm not going to invest months in this without meeting so like i'm like we can either meet or just not talk i don't care so we met at starbucks but you're both living in the same place yeah we're in sandy every time you you share a different party i'm in california i'm in virginia (laughs) i'm over here so we're just not sure where you're at okay all right so i hadn't like we're still i'm still in utah i'm working and um have my own apartment and everything and like we meet up at starbucks and she was not interested at all. He spent That's the whole time talking about Kayla. his ex-girlfriends. So That's always a, hey, yeah. anyone listening who's single, 
there's the dating advice I, right I there. I don't even remember, to be honest. Yeah. If you can't pick yeah. up on mine and Rachel's sarcasm, you're on your own, I guess. But. Yeah. Okay, so first date goes terrible. Yeah, wasn't interested. Um, but I knew he was a photographer. So, so. four months later. <laughs> so I started talking. So were you interested in the first Yeah, what, first I date? was interested. I, I kept texting her, but after a couple of weeks, I knew it was like disinterest. So I was like, all right, well, I tried. You can take a hint. Yeah. You yeah, I could okay. take a hint. Mostly. So, <laughs> I'm persistent. I just, I, I'll, I'll bring this over. Keep going. So, like a couple months later, I wanted to do a gift for my girlfriends and do like a photo shoot. And I was like, hey, I know this photographer that might do it for free. If I talk to him, I can, I can photos, smile right? at him and we'll get yeah. these for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, I started talking to him again. And I was actually headed on a trip to um, Puerto Rico at the time and wanted some like, advice because I'd never traveled that far you know like always been in the United States and stuff so talked to him a little bit more we ended up going out a little bit more and um we kind of dated a little bit and then I decided to move to Texas I was like why not yeah, yeah why, why not? the hell not yeah <laughs> it's my life so my so, sister because you haven't I, moved around enough so why not move some more exactly right well, you the get, reverse you she's get like restless. I've been here for eight months we're wasting time yeah. I got time to go like right? I've been here 13 years and that's insane like ridiculous you get really. super restless yeah you gotta change you gotta move right so we had started dating me and Jason and are over here like we've never been anywhere, <laughs> anywhere else <laughs> yeah totally Rachel just posing yeah, totally you get posing it. oh get yeah it. <laughs> trouble all the time yeah so we had started dating so yeah we started dating um I helped her mom I helped them move her mom into an apartment um and <clears throat> we just I kind of felt like Okay, it's it's time, and you know, let's. I kind of felt like we were gonna go somewhere, but then, you know, she was dead set on moving to Texas, so that lasted for forty eight hours. So I got down to Texas with my sister. I went like we were getting separate apartments, so she went and signed on hers. I went to sign on mine, and there were like these huge problems. Like I had everything lined up, like my bank accounts and everything, and they were like, "Oh no, we can't do this, and we can't do that." So like. It became this whole mess, and I couldn't sign that day. So I went home, and I just prayed, like, home to my sister's new apartment. (laughs) And I just prayed and prayed to figure out what to do. And I just remember the Lord telling me, you need to go home. And I was like, no, no, it's cool. We don't have to. And he's like, no, no, you need to go home. That's where Sway is. And I was like, okay. That's big. That's cool. Yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's – So I got on a plane and – You felt inspired and felt like – Yeah, so I called him, and I was like, you should come pick me up. So I got on a plane, and what, within another 48 hours, we were back in Utah? (laughs) So, Sway, I get accused of this a lot by Kayla. Yeah. She's like, you married me. I don't have the – Chris sitting here, like, high school best friends. They have the whole – it was kind of built, right? And and Autumn talks about that, right, when they share their story. It's like, I knew this was my best friend. And so Kayla often accuses me. She's like, you – we're in it for the validation for the women. You would have married anyone that said yes. Like, is there really anything special about me? Um, I felt like there really was. I feel like that's not a true. I totally was an addict when we got married. Sure. Super screwed up, numbed out, kind yeah. of all that. Yeah, me but, too. But I feel like there was really there was some real connection there and some God in that for me. So approaching your guys' marriage, where where were you? Yeah. So um, she's just feeling inspired. Like this is crazy, but I, I'm. I have faith in God, so I guess I'll listen to him, but this is crazy. So for you, it's... Right. So um, I... So 
just kind of go back real quick. I my aside from the wreckage that caused my marriage prior to that, like the biggest wreckage in my life came during college, right? And so um, I was trying to get straight. I was, you know, um, but I caused a lot of damage in a lot of different relationships at that point. Um, I'd been about six months clean when... um, Clean from sexually acting out. Yeah. And so when Rachel felt inspired, you know, it it really kind of hit home and I was like, okay. And I started really listening and I felt like, you know, I wasn't a hundred in like my brain wasn't a hundred percent. Like, is this, is that like, wasn't totally sure, but my heart and in praying with God, I knew that this was the right choice. Um, even if like it didn't totally make sense. Right. Yeah. So I definitely felt inspired. You had some inspiration around yeah. it. Did you, so did you know about any of the addiction stuff prior to getting married? Nope. So Sway's Negative. like me. Just, did you have any problems? Nope. nope. Next question. Yep. Um, I was so, straightforward about it too. Like I asked. Oh yeah. She asked. Constantly. She's very, yeah, very straightforward about it. And you know, me, I was just like, no, mm-mm, there's no problems. So you're never. just like, I'm, I'm Peter Priesthood, never had a problem in my life. Or were you like, oh, you know, in college I had some problems, but I'm good now. No, I don't think I even... You said told that me much. about I mean, like you had one other partner that's in college. True. Yeah, and I, that was I it. did tell that's her I, I did got. have okay. one other partner. So some spotlighting, but that was and not then true. Either. I'm good. So were you under the impression we can all laugh about this now in this room because we know you, were you <laughs> like oh marriage is going to fix my yep. sexual addiction? A hundred percent. Yeah, they've done that. Ha ha. Yeah, no, we. I all. know it's like a huge listening to the podcast. I know that's like one of the biggest themes, right? <laughs> if you and, think that's true, if you haven't listened to us before. It's, it's not. It's not. It's absolutely not. Well, and, and, in a, and in a good way, right? I mean, Chris has talked about this before. Like, healthy sexuality and connection with a real woman is just a completely different thing than addiction, using it as a drug and validation. They're just, like, not even the same. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's not a correlation there. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, and I thought, I thought for sure, you know, going into marriage and, like, having been clean for the, that little bit of time beforehand— um, I just thought this is it, man. That was your this, biggest this quit big before fix. I go to bed. This yeah. is the this is the fix. I'm not gonna have to deal with this anymore, and uh, it'll be awesome. But um, within this is where it gets rough. Uh, within six months of being married, that you know the the feelings started coming back, and uh, that's when I started to act out again: pornography, masturbation, and then within a year of that. Um, it escalated even further to affairs and emotional affairs, and so know, te- so like tell us what sway was was like after you first got married, and and you know was it easy to be around? And you're just like life's life's great, and then no. you get blindsided by this stuff, or or what? Because no. I I feel like the women always know. Kayla would say something was off, something. Yeah. And so tell me what your experience was like. You guys get married, you cross the altar, you have all the rosy pictures that Sway probably took. It's you're so, good. <laughs> and then boom. So kind of honeymoon's over. You're in actual life now, married. So we what got married like? really quick. Like within two weeks we were engaged and then six weeks we were married. And like I always used to joke that because he drives me crazy. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like before what? I found out everything, I always used to joke like God made us get married so fast because otherwise I wouldn't marry him because he yeah. annoyed me that bad. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> so it wasn't like it wasn't great, but my parents had up and downs too, you know. And mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, they had a really good relationship, and it was better than my marriage was in the beginning. But I just figured, you know, there's hard things and. Like, to be blunt, Sway was kind of an asshole a lot of the time. Oh, totally. I'll and, do, like, yeah. I got to the point where I was walking on eggshells and, like, you know, couldn't make Literally, decisions Kayla that would, like... Literally, has used those exact same words. Yeah. I had to walk on eggshells around him. All the time. He would just have a temper. And I'd yeah. be like, what are you talking about? I don't have a temper. Well, it's temper and then, like, the He's manipulation. The I rolled my eyes at myself. You can't see. It's yeah. a podcast, but. <laughs> And, like, the manipulation of, like, trying to gaslight me and make me feel like the jerk and like the one who wasn't listening or paying attention or stuff like that. And Chris, you know anything about that? No, (laughs) I'm like a pro at that thing. Mm -hmm. And that's how I would convey autumn to everybody around me is just this. She's this mean bitchy woman that Mm -hmm. nobody wanted to be around. And because I would convey her that way. Yeah. So I I used to do the same exact thing, you know, like maybe in not so many words, but like, you know, I I definitely made it to where it seemed like I wasn't happy and it was not my fault, but it was 100%. Right. Yeah. But what, how do you feel about this? Because when I was gaslighting, I didn't realize that I was doing it to make myself feel better. I thought my wife had changed, not me. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought, well, what's wrong with, like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Right. You know, that there's no way I'm doing something wrong. It's not me. And there's no way that my addiction, which at the time was not an addiction. Totally. Right? Like, yeah. I didn't think this was Meaning an addiction. Meaning you're doing so good at hiding it. Just right. to be clear. Yep. Yeah. Right. So you're doing so good at hiding it that that's why you don't, um, that's why you were like, this isn't me. This is somebody else. Right. This is why she's changing. Yeah. And that it's, it's, it was, for me and my brain and my jacked up, effed up brain, like it was all, it was all her and had nothing to do with me, which, you know, now being in recovery, I recognize was a hundred percent me. So I've joked on here before that we need like a bell or some type of chime. We really should do this where, um, <laughs> when someone makes a total like denial, justification, poser statement, we ring the bell, like just so everyone knows for sure. Like <laughs> in case you're fast forwarding through this podcast, we know this is crap. Right. Um, and we all, it, I was years into recovery before I finally had some experiences where I was like, Oh, I'm like the biggest jerk ever. Whoa. Light bulb moment. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time. So uh, on this premise, I'm assuming that Sway didn't just come to you one night and go, God sent an angel, I'm ready to change. No. So you caught him? So shortly, so in November of 2012, yep. um, we had our first son who passed away shortly after he was born. Um, that was in November and in January. Um, yeah, January. Yeah, he had... Um, he had fallen asleep with his phone, like, and this was one of the things that pissed me off. Like, I could never get to his phone, right? Like, red flag, pissed me off, whatever. I could never get to his phone. So, Just quick highlight there. If your husband hides his phone from you all the time. Kick him in the nuts. And take it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So he had fallen asleep <laughs> with, with his phone, and I just started looking at it, and there was obviously a relationship going on between him and this other woman. Yeah. And I just, I lost it. And, well, and you're in the trauma that, of... You just of losing my baby. Son. Yeah, my first son. And, 
you know, dealing with all that too. And, um, that he would be doing this while all that was going on. Um, so I woke his ass up. That was my next question. Did you wake him up? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I was awake. Um, (laughs) and being the manipulator and the, um, you know, just the lying. That wasn't it. You that wasn't it. We ring no, the bell right it. now. Yeah. Okay. No. So, you so know, that I, was his first, his I, second so what, chance. So there's second chance, right? So yeah. Then I brushed what it off, next? and he's and like, "Oh we no, I just knew her from high school, and I was just trying to comfort her. I was just trying to like, she's just going through a rough divorce, yeah, so he, and I just yeah, wanted yeah, to help her. Yeah, but he's like, but no, I won't talk to her anymore. Like, no, absolutely, you guys mean the world to me. I won't do it anymore. Blah blah blah. So fast forward a couple of years. Are you buying that? When you when you not had like that in my gut, but you in your want gut, to. You're not buying it. You want to. Yeah, you and want like, it to all go away and be fine. It's also like he's my husband. I need to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Like I need to oh, accept yeah, it good. a little bit, you know. Not him being an asshole, but like give him the benefit of the doubt that that is what's going on. He's telling me the truth, you know. Well, and there's so much there for you to pick up from a betrayal trauma perspective. So I can mm-hmm. imagine you had just lost your son I mean, right we could all sit here and weep about that for however long right yeah and uh, so to have this thrown on there i mean it makes sense to me to be like it'd be easier if this just wasn't true right so you kind of sell yourself Deny on it. that right yeah totally yeah so women trust your gut out there absolutely god's talking to you so you so, so then it gets we go back to denial land time moves yeah. forward so what f- next? four four years later i'm pregnant with our third i'm on bed rest for a little while and i remember super distinctly he's sitting there in our recliner in our living room like just snuggling with our son and he's like looking through his phone and he's like oh gq just released an article about how to overcome like porn addiction and i was like okay is that something we need to talk about is that something you need to like deal with and yeah, i'm nope, just down just with think you, it's Rachel. cool yeah i just <laughs> right? thought it, I mean, I was, look at I, this you well battling. and of course right like master manipulator that i was back then right it's like Oh, look at me. I'm excited about, um, you know, other people getting clean and stuff like that. Yeah. Which, so anyway, you can go on. I can tell my stuff in a minute. Throughout the rest of my three months, like, I started having feelings like he'd come home from work and I was like, are you cheating on me? And he's a photographer. So like he'd go out on projects in the middle of the night to like shoot crazy night and stuff. Crazy hours. Yeah. Like, and personal projects that he would do. Um, so he'd come home like, are you cheating on me? Are you doing something? And he's like, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And like, still just something in my gut. And finally it all came to a head. It was September 13th, 2016. I found his Apple watch in the bathroom and he was sending super inappropriate texts to someone from work. And I came out of the bathroom. I threw the watch at him and said, you tell me everything or I'm done. And I just left. Like I slept on the couch that night. I was pissed. I was so mad. And like, he just, he got mad. He got really mad first. Well, cause you're still trying to manipulate gaslight. Yeah. So that, I mean, you're that first night that actually road. is a complete blur, which is really like unfortunate because I know for Rachel, every, she remembers every second and every millisecond of that night. And I'm just doing all that I can to cover. cover. So he didn't yeah. really come to me that night at all. So the next day... But I think that points out how numb you were, right? Right. Like when people are like, what does addiction cost me? There it is, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. that's the tell you... I When I first told Kayla everything, 
Right. She runs out, the therapist runs after her. And I remember feeling nothing. And yeah. I remember intellectually being like, I need to think of like puppies being drowned or something because I need to show remorse. emotion and sadness and remorse when this therapist walked back up here. But I mean, it was like whew, numbed out. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to just go back just a little bit. So um, right when I had um, before before this, the uh, spring before this, I remember listening to a um, general conference talk. And for those who don't know who that what that is, it's just a church leader church speak leadership. twice a year. Yep. yep. Speak every year, twice a year. So I remember somebody talking about this guy who had been on the same path I had been on. And he said that he would rather die and be eternally damned than put his family through that. And that's exactly how I felt. That was how I felt too. Yeah. Yeah. I totally relate. And, um, but I remember... Like, looking back now, I was screaming inside of my heart to be caught because I was not going to do it myself. You didn't have the strength to do it yourself, right? No, not even a little bit. Right. And so I, like, I desperately wanted this to be gone. Um, But, uh, so... Apple Watch happens, you get caught. Church discipline? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what the happens next, there? The next morning I told him he just better tell me everything. Like, we're going to counseling. Tell me everything now, and then we'll figure out how to do it in counseling. So he had admitted to me that he had been with four other women, and I was done. And literally, Which if I didn't have kids, I would have gone and filed for divorce the next day. I was done. Yeah. So it actually took me probably the better part of a month to get fully honest. Yeah, you're um, still minimizing oh, at that point. 100%. Yeah, yeah spotlighting. Just said, yeah. Oh, it's just one or two or three, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, and then it, uh, I remember there was one night she said, she came to me again and she said, look, if there is anything else, you have to tell me right now or we're done. And I said, and at this point, I'm living in the basement. Mm-hmm. Rachel, your gut's still oh, yeah. telling you yeah. it's still yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's still more that he's not telling you. Oh yeah, yeah, because there's consequences to all of it, right? It costs you something, and so you know the the vibes coming off, or everyone can read it. So it's you know, I had someone once tell me, you know, you can lie to me, you can lie to yourself, but you can't lie to God, right? So yeah, turns out, yeah, yeah. So that night, I I told her, no, that really is it. That's it. And I went back downstairs, and then. I think, well, I know Heavenly, like God just came to me and was like, get up there, get your ass upstairs now and finish this. And so I did as much as I could. Um, something that's interesting is having lied to myself for that, not just lying to everybody around me, but I lied to myself and well, told yeah. myself, right. You have to, the only way to Survive. To, to survive through this, to compartmentalize, like I am master compartmentalizer, all of those things, is to just lie to myself. So, yeah. you know, but I committed at some point during therapy that, you know, if something else is remembered, if I, you know, if something comes up, then it, it gets shared and there's complete honesty there. Yeah. So. So entering therapy, recovery, 
you're like all on board or well go back so church discipline happens what happens with that yeah, so in December of 2016, um, I had a church disciplinary council uh, where I, I basically asked to be excommunicated at that point. Okay. I knew that if there was any chance of uh, Rachel and I surviving this, that there wouldn't be justice served without me being excommunicated. So you actually for asked our non-LDS them. friends, the quick translation is that's kind of your membership standing in the church, right. right? With large sins, sometimes they move you out of that, you know, kind of covenant relationship with Christ, right? Right. As as we view as LDS people, and so just because people might be like, "What is that?" So yeah. that's that's what that is, right? So you're kind of you know outside the membership now, right? Okay. So going to recovery, you're. You go, I'm scared shitless. I don't know okay. what I'm doing, right? Are, like, at that point, were you committed to recovery? Because we all know the only way you change is if you change for yourself, right? No matter how bad you want him to change or God keeps telling you he loves you, it really comes down to you choosing to grab it for yourself. So when you enter recovery at this point, you're you're ready to grab it for yourself? or I'm not ready to grab it for myself, but I'm ready to grab it for Rachel and the kids yeah. at that point. Yeah. You know. So you're still, and I bring this up because a lot of people feel like, um, like I've gotten accolades on many occasions from family members, friends that are like, well, but you came forward kind of like this shame label. Like you're one of the good ones cause you chose to come forward. Right. So you're probably going to make it, which is totally crap is right. why I want to bring that up. Right. I mean, Chris, you got caught how many times, right? And yep, I got and, caught. I never you, came out. When you were going to group therapy for like over a year, right? Still for eighteen months before, and I was still in the middle of affairs. Yeah, still fake. And so, so to me, that's it's just because you you bring this up so beautifully in your story, sway. Like that's, I just want people to know, like that's not the game changer. That's not the part that matters. Rachel's sitting here shaking her head, like totally. Like that's that's not it, right? So, I guess my question at this point is like, what was it? Like what? When did you really start to change? Where yeah, you can so, say, like, I, I, "I'm now in recovery." Right. Like, I mean, I, tr- I tried. You know, I think I don't even know if it was an ultimatum, but Rachel was like, "Here, here are the ARP things. Like, start going to that or whatever." ARP is the LDS the Church's LDS twelve step. Of the twelve step, right? Yep. ARP is addiction recovery program. Right. So, um, and I, I felt like. At the time, yeah, I was committed, right? Like I, I really wanted, but at the time it was for, it wasn't for the right reasons, right? It was for my marriage first and foremost. It wasn't for myself. Yeah. Um, and then, so we were separated for two, almost two, almost two years. Wow. Um, and wait, just pause on that. You yeah. were separated for two years. So meaning not living in the same house. Right. Correct. For two years. For yep. two years. And acting out during that time or no acting out? Um I so I I acted out on a handful of occasions between uh basically September thirteenth, two thousand sixteen. Which was the Apple Watch incident? Is the Apple Watch incident. Sounds <laughs> like it's We're like Watergate, the, Apple Watch you know, the Apple Watch incident. <laughs> um, and if you ever write a book about your story, that's what you're going to call <laughs> right, it. Right, that's exactly what we're going to call the it. The Apple Watch incident and how it changed our lives. 2016, yeah. So, and then in 2000, uh, so and then January 29th of 2018 is my current sobriety date. So, I have so there was a couple of you know handful of times that I acted out with uh, other with women or that just masturbation. 
Okay, just master- okay. no pornography, no, no pornography. I actually haven't viewed pornography since probably July or August of 2016. Oh. So, awesome. at least awesome. not intentionally. You know, there's been times where you you're uh, and we and we, it just pops yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. We all see porn all the time, right? I mean, that's you right. know. Um, but so. I guess my question is, we talk a lot on here about there's a difference between sobriety, right? The day I have not viewed porn since X, I have not, right? right? Which sobriety is super important, right? That's rubber meet the road, right? Sure. Um, but a lot of pe- some people are really good at white knuckling it, right? I mean, there are guys who have white knuckled sobriety for years, yeah, and and have no work. Rec- I met one guy who's the most unrecovered person I've ever, like, literally. I'm like, you're day one, and he had white knuckled like two and a half years. I, I thought I believed in perfection earning it. Yeah. This guy is a freaking gold medalist, right? <laughs> and um, and so I'm just saying that's different for different people. So as you started to get out of this sobriety, I guess I'm going to go back to the question, like how did recovery really happen for you? Like yeah. how, did, how did your heart change? What were the big moments that made that happen? Sure. So, um, you know, it, so when I first moved out, I started living with uh, Rachel's aunt and uncle who – are just angels, right? Like they provided a soft landing for me. Um, and so then, um, and then in July of 2017, it was time for me to get my own, uh, place. And that's really where recovery started to really mean a lot. I, when, when I was living at her aunt and uncle's house, I mean, I started reading, so it all kind of started with education for me. I, mean, I read everything I could find, everything, like dozens of books, dozens of audio books um, that I could find on on how to recover. And while and, we're here, name a couple of books that were big for you, oh, big for you in recovery. Okay. Um, so, well, probably the biggest book for me has been Wild at Heart. Oh, uh, plug, 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 plug. <laughs> Wild at Heart plug. Um, WarriorHeart.com. Yep. Come on the retreat with us. Okay. Absolutely. Love the Wild retreat. at Heart's been big. What so else? So Wild at Heart's been big. Um, and then also in December of 2016, God came in and put somebody right in my lap. And um, so this is going to be probably one of the hardest part of the podcast to talk about for me. Um, so you've had... Uh, a former guest of the podcast, Corey Holmgren. Um, was that? We love you, chap. I know you're listening. Chap's you Corey chap, Holmgren's dude. nickname. So um, he, I got to go to this one fireside, and I haven't been to one before since. And uh, God just put him right, right in front of me. And I knew five minutes into hearing what he had to say that this was my guy. He's a therapist. He's a therapist. Yeah, let's throw that in there. Um, He was a therapist with uh, Lifestar. Um, And if you haven't heard the – I'll throw the plug in for you, Steve. If you haven't heard his uh, series on healthy sexuality, go back and listen to that because that's amazing stuff. Yeah, we did three podcasts with him on his model of healthy sexuality. Incredible. So – Corey came into our lives. Um, Rachel wasn't too excited to meet with him at first. He's like, no, no, let's meet with a former sex addict to discuss how I won't be a sex addict anymore. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's super safe like, that for me. That great. It's a guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm all in. In. Yeah. Let's do it. So um, I started meeting with Corey. 
Um, and for those of you who don't know, the reason that we're all kind of uh, crying here is because Corey's since passed just this last January. So um, pretty big loss for us. Comes up about once a week that I just <laughs> curse his name. I know he can hear me yeah. and just... <laughs> oh, I swear at him I'm mad you're gone, dude. Yeah. yeah. I swear yes. at him all the time. He's the one who taught me to swear at God during prayer. So <clears throat> I don't recommend it. He did. <laughs> so, um, so, so why was Corey big? So for you, I guess the short version is, is there's not been another man on this earth who's battled more for my heart, my wife's heart and our marriage than he ever did. Um, he helped me, uh, recognize that God loves me for me. Um, that, uh, that I have strength from God that I don't ever see that it's there. Um, and, um, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, is he taught me how to commune with God in ways that nobody else has ever taught me to. Meaning, meaning you feel like you really connecting with him in a personal way. With God. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Rachel, did he help you do the same thing? Uh, he helped me a lot. So the thing, so we had seen a therapist before that a friend had recommended. And I'm kind of a hard ass. Like, I just am. There's like can tell black from the dialogue white. on this podcast. <laughs> you seem like you just roll uh, over just, for everything. Yeah, super. Um, so the thing that was hard with me with our first one is she told me my lines were too rigid. Like, too hard to like that's never gonna happen it's not possible and i was like that's too bad just like like him recovering yeah like that he'll never relapse that he'll never like look at pornography again that he'll never do this and i'm like well those are my limits so what and lady you can either do it or not freaking wrong yeah you're listening to this podcast yeah people change all the time god's god's real god's so we went to Corey, and the thing that i loved about him was he was about us individually because at that point, I was not interested in our marriage. You guys were like, separated for two years. Yeah. yeah. Like, I came home from the temple one night. Um, it was early October. So just, yeah. like, the next day after the Apple Watch incident, he moved downstairs. Like, we went to Ikea, got him a bed, moved him downstairs. Um, and three weeks later, I was just like, I can't do it. So I asked him to move out. Um and he fought me a little bit, but he did. A little. And that was when he moved in. That was when he moved in with, <laughs> with your my aunt and uncle, uncle, right? Yeah. Um, and so we had been separated, and at that point, I was looking to heal our relationship so that we could be parents. I was not interested in the marriage at all. Um, so Corey was super incredible with that, and just working on it with us, healing ourselves, and healing that part of our relationship. He wasn't trying to, no, no, you guys need to stay married. You need to work on this, blah, blah, blah. Like, he was super interested in us as individuals. And he empowered you. Yeah, totally. a lot of times the women get that, right? Yeah. You should be here for him. You should be in his, like, bullshit. screw you, this guy's, yeah. 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 totally. It is. So, yeah, Corey changed our lives. And eventually, I feel like he did save our marriage because of the work that he was able to do with both of us. And so everything changes with you and God, right? And yeah. and the thing I want to come back to is the kind of the first thing you shared there, Sway, was that um, 
you said, and I may not say it exactly the way you said it, but God, you know, loves you for you, that you have worth to him. I mean, I'm assuming this is what you've been told your whole life, right? Yeah. I'm a child of God from the primary song right. forward. But I mean, it didn't. God loves you, Sway. I mean, I, yeah, you've heard that right. what, thousands very, right. of times. Jesus so, loves the you. Yeah. Right? So, like that whole, so totally. So right. tell me like, right, what's different? Because to, to be honest, as, as someone listening to your story, it's like, I don't get that, right? Like, right. if I haven't felt that connection with God, I don't know what you're, t- you're like, I, I just hear you saying, well, Jesus loves, I just bumped my head and all of a sudden Jesus loves me now. <laughs> and so I don't act out anymore, right? Right. And um, so tell me, like, what? how did that really, like, change for you? So <clears throat> God started speaking to me through my kids. Um, it was at the time. So, I mean, I could list a bunch of other books, but, you know, while the heart really did open my eyes up, um, and then the follow-up book, Fathered by God, did a huge things for me as well. And Which is the follow-up book to Wild the Heart, also is, by John yeah. Okay, yep. Um, so some of the most powerful experiences that I was having at that time, while we were separated, I had the kids every other day, which was a huge blessing, right? Like, totally. Rachel was amazing, um, given the circumstances, right? She's never vindictive. She let me have the kids as often as I could or wanted to, and it was incredible. Um, so, but one thing that would happen often is I would walk into my kids' room in my little tiny basement whole apartment. And um, I would look at my son and I would just feel this incredible amount of love for my son. And then God would say, this is just a little taste of how much I love you. And that... um, That is when God really started speaking to me and I was able to hear him, really hear him for the first time. Um, You know, I could go back to some of my wounds and talk about how my dad was, he was a workaholic and, you know, he was just doing the best that he could. I have a lot of compassion for my dad and the things that he went through now, having gone through what I've gone through, but... um one of the central wounds and one of the central messages that was written in my heart was that God doesn't have time for me. Like he just doesn't. And uh, it's incredible to just see that relationship transpose onto my own heart. And this is when God just started really just breaking down those walls for me. And it got really the central theme for my recovery is a willingness I just got to be willing to let him do it. And if I'm willing to let him do it, he'll do it. Um, but I still got to do the work. I still have to put in, you know, what it takes to be willing sure. to do it. Totally. Rachel, how, um, I mean, and this this is where I stopped earlier and I'll point this out later. Um, you know, body language is huge, right? And uh, it's been really... Um, I mean, it gets me the most, just the interaction between the two of you, 
as you've touching hands, as you've sat here, touching arms. I, I think of the word adore that you just adore each other, right? As they're looking at each other, as they're talking and, and touching, and just which is like we didn't like I asked you to do that before we walked in, right? You're just being you, and so from the Apple Watch incident to you know you're sitting here with him and and adore him and are close. Like, how did that? How were you ever able to forgive him and and trust him? The forgiveness is really hard. Like, I don't know that I've truly forgiven him for everything yet because there's so much there and it's so deep. And we've been talking, we're expecting another child, and there's a lot there, like, to deal with, like a lot of trauma, trauma around that. Around that. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I just watched God change him. Like, he's not the selfish person he was anymore. He's not, like, he's such a good dad. He's always been there as a dad. But now, like, when he started really getting involved with the kids and he could tell me so much more about the kids when they were with him and, like, I, and honestly, like, it was for my kids as much as it was for me because I wasn't about to do all the work with the kids. Like, they're his kids, too, so... Like, well, good for you. I wasn't good to trying have some to be like, right? so, yeah. you know, like I'm this no, magnificent woman. I was like, I'm not doing this shit alone. Like yeah, right. they're your kids too. And you're their dad. They need to have their dad. Um, but just seeing, I don't know, like just small changes in him, like the lack of selfishness, the lack of pride, the lack of ego that was so prevalent before just really spoke to me that he was working on it and he was changing because like he said it took probably six or seven months before he really tried before he was really working on it and you could tell you know like going through the motions and getting caught yeah yeah like and after i had kicked him out like he was going to arp and stuff and he was doing that but there wasn't a change yeah like there just wasn't Um, and then he started seeking out things on his own. He started seeking out books. He started seeking out a therapist, like just, just change. He truly changed. And that's what helped you build the trust. That and a lot of polygraphs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Sway was one when I took it, when I, when I, Kayla asked me to take a polygraph, um, I was happy to do it, but I was like worried. I'm like, you just have fear, right? And so oh, yeah. I'm like, so much what, fear. what if it's what if it's a, so what if it's like a false it. you know, like what if I'm really being honest and it says I'm lying? Like you ain't ever coming back from that, right? Yeah. Right. So then right. I just like say I did stuff I didn't do, or what do you do? So <laughs> I'm kinda like that. And so you kinda isolate. I think I'm the only person in the world who's ever taken one. Yeah. And, and sway along with like ten other guys are like, Oh yeah, which person are you going to? Yeah. Which is right. this? And I'm like, Oh, this is a thing. Do you okay. have the punch card so yet? Did, yeah, yeah. Do you have the punch card yet. Um, I wish there was a punch card hand. That so, um, so like polygraphs and so I, I think to what I get from what you're saying, you can tell me if I'm putting words in your mm-hmm. mouth, is you, you saw the rubber meet the road. You saw the action. But with that, that gut feeling of something always being off, him always not being able to be trusted, yeah. your gut started to tell you he is changing. He can be trusted. I'm assuming right. you've had some experiences with God and to enforce small that things, as well. Right? Like yeah. there's still, we have a lot of boundaries with each other. We have a lot of things that we're still working on to build that trust. Um, like he's been going out of town a lot for work and stuff like that as he's a freelance photographer and there's still a lot of trust building that needs to happen there. But yeah, like I got, we got the first polygraph results and then we agreed that he'd do quarterly polygraphs until I felt comfortable or if I just asked him to, he would do it, which is 
awesome because I know I can sound crazy sometimes. <laughs> like, <It's> wait, <laughs> yeah. like, since you are traveling, what are you doing to provide trust yeah. or to provide safety for her while yeah. you're gone? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so yeah, we can talk about that for a minute. Uh, so I do a, a lot of things. Um, I always have my uh, fine friends on, so she knows exactly where I'm at all the time. Mm-hmm. Which that's also, the app on the phone where you can see where the phone. person is. However, we yep. have found from time to time it is off. It it can be glitchy from oh, time to yeah. time, but for the most part, no. I mean, there's she's been like, no, a I know of where times. you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, I see yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, we also so, instituted that, like. Five-minute rule. Yeah, five-minute rule. If I call, text, FaceTime, whatever, he needs to respond within five minutes. Mm-hmm. So right. that, like, and it can just be a, hey, I can't talk right now. I'll call you back. But just an acknowledgement. And, I should do yeah. that. That's a good idea. Right. So it, it is a big help. Um, and she knows, like, I'm on set, and it's it can be pretty high pressure, right? Like, we've got to shell out 25 shots in a day, and, um, you know, you've got, five people basically waiting on you and so she knows that sometimes that's the case but that's there's still the five minute rule no matter what yeah um and then there's uh you know we check in pretty much every night um the other thing i do for myself right so this is kind of so to create safety you you do recovery yeah right i do i do recovery right so i'm I'm constantly working my uh step 12 um you know, I call other guys. Um, I've called you a number of times uh, when I'm uh-huh. traveling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I take calls when when somebody calls me. I try, you know, I try and pick those up as quick as I can. I know you've reached out to our group and said, hey, I'm traveling out of town. If you guys can yep. pray for me. Yeah. So, um, well, like, just really quick, something like I've never put blockers or anything on his phone. Like, just really early, I was like, I'm not your babysitter. So yep. anything that he wants to filter or good, block good on for his you. own James is on him. James is having the back giving you a big thumbs up because <laughs> you're not controlling. Yeah, you're setting really good boundaries, but yeah. not doing the control fear stuff. Yeah, right. So, it's it's, awesome. it's not on me. It's on him. Yeah, and right. he has to prove that. Which for me has been really huge in my recovery personally, right? Because it's like I've got to keep my own pardon shit under control, right? Because like when I was living in an apartment by myself. You know, and I'm home alone, what, three or four nights out of the week. And it's um, on you. It's all on me. Yeah. So I'm the one who has to stay straight. Right. And which is great. Like, well, it's you doing recovery for you, right? Not because someone's trying to make you or to fit a certain church culture or anything that way. Yeah. Which is cool that you recognize that because I've talked to so many guys that are, they, they get separated and then they're continuously acting out and then they're like, my wife is so mad, and and she doesn't want to get together. And I'm like, well, are you no. still acting out? You're acting and out. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, duh, dude, yeah. you got you you got to be able to do this on your own. And if you're separated, you got to recognize that you got to be able to do this on your own, not just because she needs you to. You got to be like, hey, it's between you and God. I'm not going to be. Right. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And 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 so on that point, though, doing it on your own isn't necessarily doing it on your own, right? Like, there's a reason that I call Steve or, you know, I send that group text that Chris is on, right? It's because if I don't, if I'm not reaching out, um, even even in the good times, then in the bad times, what am I going to do, right? Like, I, I have to keep myself Well, you're humble. surrendering, right? Right, 
And that's that's all God, right? Yeah. So it isn't that you're doing it on your own and some other men are doing it with you. It's you're bringing God into the process, which right. sometimes happens through other men, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's how, that is how I bring God into the process, right? You're reaching but, out to break that addiction cycle over yeah. and over and over again. Right. Yeah. Yep. Before lust even, you know, gets in there. Or if it does, reach out and reaching out and talking to somebody about it and saying like, hey, yeah, I had, you know, some thoughts come up and, and not being above reaching out because that's when, you know, this, uh, we, Steve and I have talked about it. This internal dialogue starts that it's just, it's the beginning of the rabbit hole. Yep. Yep. So, so, um, I mean, there's so many contextual things we can talk about, but what I always like to hit on when we end, and, and we're going to give you guys the final words. This is your story, and we'll, and we'll give your wife the final, final word is, and I always ask people this um, be real with me. We're unashamed, we're unafraid. Yeah. Has re- as we'll start with you today. Has recovery been worth it? Absolutely, and, it's been hell. And is it really different? Yes. Like, is your life really better? Because you just said it. It's been hell. There's a lot of guys sitting on the front end of this. Wives who believe their husbands never going to change. Family members, and they're like, "This is always." It's been years and years and years, and a decade of addiction, twenty years, and you're sitting here saying, "I've gone through a bunch of hard things." I don't think anyone listening to this. You're taking polygraphs quarterly you right. were separated well, we're, we're for six two months years now. Yeah, six we graduated months now. Six months. i mean just <laughs> right. loss of your son i mean they're just uh, i mean not i mean you've been through a lot of stuff right honestly it's been worth it yes a hundred percent you know here's the thing um i look at my life now and the the one thing i well <laughs> As soon as I say the one thing, like 500 other things pop into my head. <laughs> but the the number one thing is it, for anybody who's listening, who's at the beginning of this, who hasn't gotten honest or isn't in an open battle is what I kind of call it. Um, you know, that weight, that that fear and that rock gut that you have every minute of every day i don't have that anymore freedom i'm free and that that's it right is like there is nothing like that freedom that you're talking about yeah and you like sitting here in this chair in recovery now it's like how did i even walk around with that crap like i don't even understand how i've functioned with that weight all the time, right? I'm not perfect, right? I still, I still lose my shiz. I still yell at my kids. I'm still, you know, I'm, you had I got a job change these, recently, right? Yeah. I mean, life still happens, yeah. right? Yep. And so, yes, it is a hundred percent worth it. And it, I, I will be the first to say that it's hellacious, and it's still a battle. Like we still battle every day, like. There but you, are days but you that battle Rachel gets. But yes. you battle in freedom. I battle right? in freedom, and that fear, like that fear, weight, doesn't keep coming back. Yeah, fear was the ruling emotion in my life. Like that is what ruled everything I did. And in April, no, May. When did I lose my job? <laughs> April. 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 <laughs> yeah. like, I know. Yeah, Chris and I, I lost, lost our jobs at the same time. 
So <clears throat> in April of this year, I was let go from my job of three and a half years. Felt totally secure. Everything was great. And I remember walking out of that building and just looking straight up and being like, all right, man, it's all you. This is all you. And I just want like to talk I, about the adventure that Sway has been on since then and how it's from how God's been in your life, right? It's, yeah. been on, it's the freedom you're talking about. Right. Life's not necessarily easy. Sway isn't, you guys aren't cut out of a magazine. No. Perfect. I call it the pretty people. Like, you're not this pretty people thing where everything's perfect, everything <laughs> goes your way. Uh, no, it's not. I meant that as a, as a, as a stereotype. You're, you're, you know you're pretty. You're not. Okay. I've left that. All right. We're giving you the, the final word. Um, Right, you've been here for this whole journey. No one can speak more to the to the truth of has it been worth it than you, right? Most days, yeah, it's worth it. Like having having my family intact. Like I said, my parents were married until my dad died. Like I knew a lot of people that got divorced and stuff. Like yeah. that was something that I knew I didn't want to go through, but it wasn't completely off the table, right? Like especially when Sway told me everything, so. Being able to keep my family together, being able to have a relationship that feels so honest and so true, like, and it's hell some days. For some people, divorce is how they find that, right? Totally. It's not your guys' story. But nope. For, so it was close just, for a really not, long time. Yeah, we're not putting yeah. a label on that either way, but for no. you, you found... That's yeah. how you, you know, staying in it when probably a lot of people told you not to. Well, and well, Rachel knows how to just speak up and be... I think that's one of the biggest things. Sorry, I'm not trying to take over, but one of the biggest things for me is that Rachel set her foot down and said, "This is how it's going to be for me. You can either take it or leave it, or I'm out." Every and every woman should. You're a great example, Rachel. Totally of, yeah. of having good boundaries and not being codependent and setting that. Yeah, and and not Sway still had to change on his own, but in order for you to have a I well, mean, that's what I was used to life. tell him is like, I don't want you changing for me. I don't want you doing this for me. Like, because then five years down the road, we don't work out. Then you're back in that hell again because you did it for me and then you lost me. Right? Like, you have to do it for yourself. Yeah. Well, he, so he and, talked about having this weight all the time. Mm-hmm. I think for the women, they have the same weight. Totally. That you're worried that, you know, every day, am I going to find out something new? Is it going to get worse? Is it, I mean, do you walk around with that? I know you said it comes up. Do you walk around with that weight all the time still? No, it's a little different because I know a lot of women are in this situation and they knew from the beginning they've, you know, second chance, third chance, fourth chance, and like everybody lives their own life. But like it was uncomfortable for us when we were first married for a while. And then when I found out, it was horrible. Like my world came crushing down. It was awful. Um, But as I worked on myself and the things I needed to do, it got better. But now... Now that we're back together, yeah, there are some really hard days. Like, I don't, like, the trust is very different than what I would want, but I'm happy with where we are. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, there are things like he'll you're do something. You're still on your journey. You're not, yeah. you're not arrived. And I don't think marks. we'll ever be perfect, right? Like, I think there'll always yeah. be suspicion there sometimes or, like, sometimes, like, I think I think it was you that called at 6 o'clock the other morning and, you know, like he jumps out of bed and goes and gets his phone and shuts the door. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like uh-huh. took me a minute to <laughs> yeah, wake up and be like, <laughs> okay, it's probably one of his group guys. Like, it's cool. Calm down. But, you yeah. know, there's like always a level there. But the payoff has been super worth it. Like to not be oblivious to what's going on, to know what's going on so I can deal with it appropriately. You know what I mean? Like 
know what's coming, know what's happened so that we can know how to prepare for that and keep moving forward. So, yeah, I think it's been worth it for now. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the interaction. Of just the relationship you guys have uh, is awesome. Um, we love that you guys have shared your story with us, that you've been, you know, so open and, and shared your heart. Um, we always ask, as is, is, you know, what what song you kind of would want to share that uh, has been meaningful to you or reflective kind of in your story. So if you had a song to share, Sway, what would it be? Broken Together, Casting Crowns. Uh, which I just kind of cry here. I just love that song. If you haven't listened to that song, we're going to be amazing. opportunity right now. Thank you, Sway, for coming, sharing your story. Thanks Rachel. for having us. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are awesome. And um, we'll, we'll leave you with uh, Casting Crowns, Broken Together. Just be broken
shattered dreams And now bring mine Can healing still be spoken And save us The only way will last forever Is broken Just be broken together If you can bring your shattered dreams And I'll bring mine Can healing still be spoken and said?